And you'll probably see the word right now. Got it. Got it. Get it, got it, good. Hey, everyone, and welcome to Chef AJ Live. I'm your host, Chef AJ, and this is where I introduce you to amazing people like you who are doing great things in the world that I think you should know about. My guest today is Dr. Catherine Chattal, and she has a very inspiring short story to share with us. Please welcome her to the show. Nice to meet you. Hi, Chef AJ. I'm so excited to be here. You have no idea. Well, I can't wait. You're, you, you, you know, I always let the guests decide what the title of the broadcast is. As long as it's 100 characters or less, YouTube will accept it. And you called today a surgeon's story of resilience and whole food plant-based weight loss. So tell us a story. Yeah. So I have a short little, um, well, short, who am I kidding? <laughs> um, I, I love to talk. So um, I have a PowerPoint presentation and I would love to share my stories. So let Thank me you. just share my screen and let's see. How do I? Oh, oh share. Sure. Yeah, okay. Oh, there. Yes. There. Yay! And then, yeah. Just change the view and it'll be perfect. Thank you. Um. Maybe, maybe put it on slideshow because we're still seeing. Yeah, yes. per perfect. Nice. All righty. So hi, everyone. I'm so happy to be here. And as Chef AJ just said, the title of my talk is Blossoming Beyond Boundaries, A Surgeon's Story of Resilience and Whole Food Weight Loss. Um, I'm Dr. Catherine Chattal. I'm a board certified plastic surgeon who's now transitioned to the world of integrative skin care. I'm also a health and wellness coach specializing in weight loss. And my mission is really simple to help women feel beautiful inside and out and to empower them to take charge of their well being. And I wanted to start with my story of personal transformation. And what I wanted to point out is that it's not linear. It didn't happen overnight. It's been a process. And when I, you know, figure out one aspect of my life, there's another one that pops, it's, uh, pops up and I have to deal with that. So I just, my hope is to, if, even if I can just inspire one person to make changes that they've always dreamed about and to um, pursue things that they've always wanted to do, who have thought that they were too old or too whatever, I hope that I can just inspire one of you uh, to make the changes that you want. So I had quite a challenging childhood, I'm not gonna lie. Um, it was filled with neglect, which I think is the worst form of abuse and other kinds of abuses. And I just never felt good enough, anything enough. And I never felt safe in my own home. I was uh, born and raised in New York City. Um, and I spent some time in Memphis, Tennessee. And there was just never a time that I felt really safe. And I really had to start learning to take care of myself as young as seven. I was oftentimes the only adult in my home. Um, and then I thought that I would find some sort of safety in going to school. And what I realized was that that wasn't safe for me either. And back in the day, we didn't have a word for it. But in looking back, I was really bullied by the kids, bullied for being different. Um, for having a weird sounding last name. My parents were both Russian. And so I was bullied because of all of that. So I started, I stopped really going to school regularly when I was in the seventh grade. 
Um, and, um, yeah, I just didn't feel safe. And to be quite frank with you, I was kind of bored. And when I did make an appearance in school, whether it was, I don't know, a couple of times a week or so, um, I would oftentimes show up for class and I would be sent directly to the principal's office um, where they had me do odd jobs because they said it was better than me getting in trouble and being sent down. So I guess they were being proactive. Um, and just to give you a sense of what kind of house I grew up in um, when we were in Memphis, um, I was around about 11 or 12 years old, and it was literally my my house became known as Trip City, and it was where people came to literally do drugs. Um, there were a lot of my brother's friends who were musicians and others of his friends, and they would smoke pot and do other things. And the, it was a nightly routine for the police to show up at our door and I would hide in my bedroom, um, which I had painted yellow so that I would have some sunshine in my in my life. Um, but I would literally be just so petrified in my bedroom because I thought I was going to get arrested. I didn't know what I would be arrested for because I didn't do any of the drugs. Um, so that's kind of what, what my life was like. I was very much independent um, and could take care of myself and... Um, that's how I grew up. Um, and then I, I eventually did start going back to school, but around about 10th grade, I finished the 10th grade. I, we had already moved back to New York at that point. And I remember coming home one day and I just told my mother that I wasn't going back and I didn't feel any resistance. So yeah, I dropped out of high school and, um, moved on. I ended up getting my GED. And to be honest with you, the only reason I got my GED is because my grandparents asked me to, because no one in my family had ever graduated from high school. And so I got my GED. And it's interesting when I dropped out of high school, I never worried that I would like not amount to anything. I knew that I was destined for big things in my life, but that high school wasn't one of them at the time. So I got my GED and I got into college. I moved to Seattle, Washington, where I got accepted at Seattle University. And for four years, I sat in the front row and just thought to myself, I can't believe I'm in college. I can't believe I'm in college. I, I would think, gosh, I'm a high school dropout and I have a GED and I'm in college. Um, I put myself through college. I worked three jobs. Um, and then I got into medical school on my first try um, to the University of Vermont. Um, and again, for four years, I loved it. And I just thought, oh my gosh, I'm in medical school. And I had a little bit of uh, imposter syndrome because I thought they're going to find out that they accepted me by accident because I just have a GED. Um, so yeah, so I went through that for for four years, graduated, was so happy. And after graduating from uh, medical school, I went on to do seven years of residency. I did one year internship in pediatrics, followed by four years of general surgery, followed by two years of plastic surgery. And if that wasn't enough, I decided to do a fellowship in breast and body contouring so that I could specialize in uh, breast reconstruction for women that had had breast cancer. 
So I practiced for over 15 years as a board certified plastic surgeon, um, where I specialized in breast reconstruction for women that had breast cancer. And I was always drawn to um, putting people back together, the reconstructive aspect of, of plastic surgery. It was always so, um, I just loved making things out of nothing and molding and bending tissue and, and just and, and just putting people back together. That's why I was drawn to the reconstructive apps, um, aspect. And then after 15 years, I thought, you know what? I want to pivot to do something else. I wanted a new challenge in my life. And I had seen where um, integrative medicine would have been such a great thing to have in my life as a plastic surgeon. So I did an integrative medicine fellowship um, with Dr. Andrew Weil in Arizona, and I started practicing integrative medicine. And all this time, all these accolades, all these successes in my life, I I suffered and I had a big secret of disordered eating and it consumed my life. Um, when I wasn't, um, when I didn't have blinders on in terms of my training, my education, um, seeing patients operating, I was just, I was just overcome with my disordered eating. I grew up um, and was born into um eating disorders. My mother was anorexic and bulimic before we even had words for it. Um, both of my parents um, were professional ballet dancers. And please, I'm not saying that all ballet dancers have um, eating disorders or disordered eating, but the ones that I was surrounded by seemed to me to have really bad relationships with food. Um, and they were mainly the, the women um, that I was surrounded by. Um, my mother, I remember my mother going days without eating. And when she did eat, she'd eat carrot sticks and celery. Um, and that made for a very unhappy um, person. And, but we were celebrated for being hungry. Hunger was celebrated. And we were also celebrated for not eating, not even thinking to indulge when we were actually hungry. Um, and for my mother, I was just never skinny enough. I was never enough, but the, the thin part, the skinny part, and that was the word she used. She said she wanted me to be skinny. And that just caused me to have all of this shame and anger. And that translated into the binge restrict cycle. I would binge on all the things, the salt, sugar, fat. I was a sweets person, uh, ice cream, cookies, cakes, candies, donuts, scone, like whatever. And then I would, you know, restrict for, I would, I personally would go days without eating. So, and it was endless and it lasted for decades. And there was such shame and, and really, and, and my weight suffered because of it. And, um, but most people wouldn't have known this about me because in terms of my weight, um, I hit it well, I'm fairly tall, I'm five, seven and a half. And 
I wore pajamas to work. I mean, I wore scrubs so I could easily go from a small to a medium to a large to extra large scrubs. And not everybody would notice. And then when I'd get out of the operating room, I'd put on a fresh pair of scrubs and then my white lab coat covering myself even more. So people didn't really see how my weight just fluctuated by really like a solid 35 to 50 pounds um, with a blink of an eye. And it was just this horrible way of living because I just keep coming back to the word shame because I that's all I felt was shame, relentless shame. And then there was the anger. And for a time when I was younger, I think my biggest goal was to not only pack on the weight, but I wanted to look as opposite as I could from a ballet dancer, just mainly to irritate my mother. And I was successful. Um, I went through a stage where I dyed my hair every single color that you could imagine. I shaved it. It was really short. Um, I wore clothes from the Army Navy surplus store. So um, yeah, I succeeded in looking um, as opposite from a ballet dancer as possible. Um, and I succeeded in really irritating my mother. Um, so this disordered eating went on for decades and it was my secret until oh sorry i discovered chef aj and i don't remember how i discovered you chef aj but i know that it was on youtube and i was mesmerized i listened to your story um, I watched your guests. I devoured your books. Um, I couldn't get enough. And did things happen overnight? Absolutely not. In fact, it took me at least a couple of years of, of, of really absorbing the information that you were teaching um, and all of your guests were teaching. And then probably about four years ago, three years ago, it was like a switch flipped in my brain. And I realized that I didn't have to go on a diet anymore. And I realized that I was choosing a lifestyle and not a diet. And I, once I did that, and once I also focused on my health as I was approaching my sixties, it wasn't about just looking skinny and being skinny. It was about being healthy and choosing a lifestyle. And I can honestly tell you that now I love my food. I don't have food FOMO. I don't look longingly at a donut or a scone or ice cream or any of that and think, oh, maybe I can... Um, plan a cheat day, which by the way, I don't believe in and don't have. Um, I just love my food and that's my choice. And I remember listening to Chef AJ talk about how she loved her food and she would talk about broccoli and sweet potatoes. And I would say, that's never going to be me. And here I am. I love my food and I eat vegetables for breakfast. And I do that happily every single morning. So the keys to my success with my weight loss were calorie density, which is invaluable. Like now when I speak to my clients or patients, I talk to them about the, the benefits and the 
the amazing aspect of calorie density. And I also eat food that is whole, unprocessed, plant exclusive and SOS free. And also one of the most important keys to my success has been a huge mindset shift. And it's all about feeling, feeling worthy um, to make the changes that, that I wanted to for so many years in my life. So I've taken you through my um, uh, transformation from uh, a high school dropout to a board certified plastic surgeon, and also how I finally have um, a wonderful, healthy relationship with food. And then my next struggle has come up. And this is something that I've just recently um, really addressed and am overcoming. It's all about beauty. I have struggled with this all my life. I was seeking perfection. And when I say that I was never enough for my mother in terms of being skinny enough, I was also never pretty enough. I was the the perfection, the standard that I was given was that I needed to look like these just beautiful ballerinas when they were on stage. And my mother was a beautiful woman. And that was the, that was what I was seeking. And it was just, I could never, I could never be pretty enough. I could never do that. And it wasn't, and I really struggled with that. I, I, I used to hate looking at myself in the mirror. And if I even thought somebody had a camera to take a picture of me, boy, I became an Olympic caliber sprinter. I would be out of there. Um, and then through my weight loss and, and, and owning my self-worth, I started dabbling in self-care and self-love, um, ideas that I never even knew existed. Like seriously, the first time somebody said something to me about self-care, I thought, I don't know what the heck you're talking about. Um, and I've learned to embrace my flaws and celebrate my uniqueness. And that has been such an amazing change in my life. And I, and I want to help women achieve that same thing. So how am I doing that? Well, when I first um, transitioned from plastic surgery, I focused on integrative medicine. And now I'm focusing even further on integrative skin care. And it's a holistic approach to well being and skin care. It's about looking at the whole person rather than just one diagnosis. It's about incorporating all the pillars of health when it comes to skin, whether it's movement, stress relationships, the most important of which is the relationship that we have with ourselves, nutrition, spirituality, um, environment, all of those things go into um, the holistic approach. And it's all about taking care of our skin from the inside out. And it's okay to want to look and feel beautiful. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. It's not superficial. We should all be able to look and feel beautiful. And that is my goal. I want to empower women to be able to do that. And another way I'm empowering women, hopefully, is through weight loss coaching. And so I, I um, completed um, the 
Dr. Weil's um, integrative um, health and wellness coaching program after I finished his uh, integrative medicine fellowship. And it was honestly one of the best things that I ever did. I learned so much about myself and about my patients. Um, and what I realized is that it's not just about weight loss. It's about self-worth and it's about embracing the beauty that we all have from within and embracing our unique journey. And that's why I say it's never too late. I didn't figure this out until I was almost 60 years old. And if I had just thrown up my hands and thought, well, I'm too old, I wouldn't be sitting right here talking to all of you. And my weight loss coaching also talks about self-care and self-love, because if you don't have that, then you're really just white knuckling. If, you, if you're able to lose the weight you want, it, it sometimes comes as a, at a cost and you end up gaining it back because you haven't embraced who you really are and embraced self-care and self-love. So my goal is simple. I want to empower women. I want to make women feel beautiful from the inside out. I want to foster self-esteem, self-worth, and self-love, things that I just was devoid of until very recently. And I want to have you loving what you see in the mirror and not running away from the mirror and not running away from the camera. And I just want to leave you with one of my favorite quotes, and it's, happiness is the joy you feel moving towards your potential. Thank you, everybody. And I welcome you to um, visit my website where you can sign up for a free 30-minute consultation with me. Um, you can, um, yeah, I can tell you all about my coaching program and I would be honored if you would do that. So thanks, everybody. Thank you. I love your story. High school dropout to medical doctor. That's impressive. Yeah, thank you. Now, do you see people in person though? Like, cause if you're a surgeon, obviously you can't, you can't operate virtually, right? <laughs> right, right. Well, I don't operate anymore. I do minor office procedures that just require local anesthetics, but, um, but yeah, I do see my integrative medicine practice and um, I do see people both in person and virtually. And actually that virtual aspect of it, I only started a couple of years ago during COVID, um, and that's what led to my sort of when I first started, I was like, oh, my God, I have to look at myself while I'm talking to my patient. And just the, the exercise of starting to look at myself, I really had to address my insecurity regarding the way I looked. And so it was it was one of those. Well, you can either deal with it now or just continue to suffer silently. Why do you think it's so? Do you you you, you were you you mentioned you know being in New York? Do you think that women are just more prone to this problem of not feeling good enough, not feeling pretty enough? Or I mean, is it just a female thing, or is it because I noticed that when I lived in big cities like LA, it seemed to be a lot worse than like when I lived in Indio, you know? <laughs> yeah, I I totally agree with you. I remember, and it and I I realized 
realized it when, um, well, being surrounded by ballerinas, they're just as insecure as I was about their looks, um, but they have to be on stage. But to be honest with you, is it was seeing my patients, my breast reconstruction patients, and they would come in. And when I would say I would want to take pictures of them, of their reconstruction or whatever, they would start making these excuses like, oh my God, my tummy is so fat. I look at all this fat. And, and then when I would, you know, when they would come in, you know, if I hadn't seen them for several weeks and all of a sudden they were coming in and post chemo and they had lost their hair and they were bald and some of them wore caps, some of them wore wigs, but um, they would come in and they would start to say, oh my God, I'm so fat and ugly and I'm overweight and I'm bald. And, and I just didn't see that. I would look at them and see strength and beauty and their beautiful bald heads. And so I think absolutely women are so hard on themselves. And that's why for me, I was always drawn to the reconstructive aspect of, of plastic surgery rather than the aesthetics. Now I love aesthetics and there's a place for it, but um, I'm just all into celebrating our own unique inherent beauty. Yeah. You know, I don't know if you watch the show regularly, but Dr. Lyle just talked about this on Tuesday, how like in the stone age, there were no mirrors, you know, we're not even meant to, you know, it's an unnatural problem almost, you know? Yeah. Because I think it was so interesting how there was an influx of people coming to my office, wanting procedures like little, like chemical peels or Botox or whatever during the pandemic, because people were looking at themselves for the first time and they were just dissecting themselves. They were saying, oh my God, this wrinkle, that thing, why is my face moving like this? I never noticed that one eye was smaller than the other eye. I mean, just really micromanaging their face. And it was just, that's exhausting. And I'm not saying that I didn't do the same thing. So there you go. Yeah, that's so interesting. Well, we're just going to talk about food for a minute because every guest on this show, almost every guest gets this, the fun question, what do you eat in a day and what do you do for exercise? Right. So what do I eat in a day? I am, I'm just going to tell you straight up, I'm a really boring eater. I like simplicity. I am not really a cook. Um, I, I eat mainly raw food, but I don't call myself a raw foodist because I hate labels. And there are certain things that I eat cooked that I would, I couldn't imagine giving up. So I probably will never be a hundred percent raw, but I'm probably about, I don't know, 75% raw. And why do I do that? Because I love the taste of raw food, raw vegetables. So Um, I don't like to call things breakfast, lunch, and dinner, but I usually start eating at about nine or 10, depending on my hunger. And I usually will, I always have at least a pound of raw vegetables. Um, and they could be carrots, uh, broccoli, um, red cabbage, uh, peppers, um, whatever I happen to have cauliflower, the more of a rainbow I can eat on my plate, the better. So I have that first thing. Um, And again, when you first mentioned eating uh, vegetables for breakfast, I thought, oh my God, she's insane. I could never do that. Um, And I think to be honest with you, I started with um, trying it with steamed vegetables. I, I bought the, um, the, uh, baby, uh, Brussels sprouts from, uh, Trader Joe's that you used to do, or you still I love do. those. Yeah. They're, yeah. They're, they're, they're so much more mild than the, yeah. Ones. Yeah. And that's how I started. So I don't, I don't want you to think of, Oh, I just started eating a pound of 
raw vegetables every morning. No, 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 no. I eased myself into it. So I have my pound of raw vegetables. And then after that, whenever I get hungry again, which is usually almost immediately, I'll have um, some sweet potatoes or some, uh, uh, some sort of beans or lentils. Um, and if I don't have that, then I'll have a green smoothie. Um, um, and it's like 95% greens. I always think of Dr. Esselstyn when I drink my smoothies, um, I put kale and collards and, and cabbage and all the green stuff. And I think maybe I put half a banana in there. So that's my first meal of the day. And the second meal of my day is a gigantic salad. The bigger, the better. It's way bigger than my head. Um, and when people see, they, they look at me and they say, well, are you going to eat all that? And I'll say, yes, I am. And it's going to be fabulous. <laughs> and so I eat my, my mainly green salad. Um, and for dressing, to be honest with you, I like mustard and balsamic vinegar and that's it. Um, but again, it didn't happen overnight. I used to make dressings with dates and all the things. And now I've just kind of elevated to where I don't need to have that on my salad. Um, and then I'll follow that up with some sweet potatoes. I, I'm a big fan of sweet potatoes. Um, and then for dinner, I... Um, I can, I can get into a rut and I'm in a rut with your broccoli salad um, the, that you had maybe about a year and a half ago. Um, broccoli and chopped apples and blueberries. And then I make a little dressing for that. Um, and I eat that. Um, and then every single night, no matter what, I have my Ninja Creamy. And yes, I eat an entire container, the 16 ounce container. And um, right now I'm, I usually do a combination of bananas and mangoes, or I'll do a combination of bananas. And then I'll take a uh, frozen broccoli, uh, excuse me, frozen cauliflower um, and sweet potatoes and some cocoa or some cinnamon. And it is just delightful. And yeah, that's usually what my typical day of eating is. And I don't weigh or measure anything. And the only reason I know that I eat a pound of vegetables a day is because I was just curious. I was like, oh, I wonder how many vegetables I eat in the morning. And I weighed it. And it's usually between a pound and a pound and a half. So mm -hmm. that's my that's my usual day. And exercise is really important to me. In fact, I haven't missed a day of exercise in almost four years, I think. And before that, it was like I missed a day when I was traveling to see my father in Portugal. Um, and it was just flights and stuff like that that I couldn't get my workout in. So it would it it's really been almost six or seven years since I've missed a workout. I work out every single morning. I find out for me that I have total control over how my day starts. And that is just part of my morning routine. I do uh, 45 minutes of uh, on my Peloton app. Um, and it's either cycling or rowing or strength training um, or running on the treadmill or outside, but I do it religiously. And there's never been a time when I thought, darn, I wish I hadn't worked out today. Um, and it just, it's, I always tell my patients and my clients that um, exercise is wonderful for your uh well-being in general um, and your mental health in specific, but it is not a weight loss tool. 
I, it, it, you cannot, I know you say this over and over again, Chef AJ, you cannot outrun a bad diet. And believe me, I tried when I was um, going through a divorce 15 years ago, I just started running and running and running. And literally I would run like 10, 12 miles and then like literally say to myself, well, I've run 10 or 12 miles, then I'm going to go home and eat a sheet cake. And then I would wonder why my thighs were still rubbing together, right? So I was running ridiculous amounts and exercising ridiculous amounts and my weight wasn't budging. And in fact, it was increasing. So no, weight loss, excuse me, um, exercise is not a weight loss tool. Absolutely. You can't unrun, you can't outrun your mouth, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. So you've had a lot of adversity. You've overcome many challenges of which one are you most proud of? Um, I think there's two. I think the one I'm most proud of is the fact that not necessarily an achievement, but the fact that I didn't allow what I was told about myself and my circumstances to, to, um, define me and to, and to, um, and to limit me in what I wanted to do. I can't tell you how many times I heard when I was, um, when I said I wanted to go pre-med, people would, you know, professors would say, oh, you can't go pre-med um, because you don't have a high school diploma. You have your GED. Medical schools will never, you know, um, accept, accept you. And when back in the day and really to this day, if someone tells me I can't do something, I just say, watch me. And so, yeah, so I'm most proud of the fact that I didn't let other people uh define me. And um, yeah. And then most specifically, most recently, I, and what kind of really spurred this, this change in me about my weight um, and focusing on health was doing the 75 hard challenge. Are you aware? Are you familiar? No, no what is it? Tell me about I it. I don't have all the, like the specifics, but I heard Lissa from raw food romance was talking about it on her YouTube channel. And basically it's 75 days and there's a list of things you have to do every single day. And if you miss one day, you have to start over again on day one. Um, and so um, I love a challenge and basically it's, you have to commit to picking a diet and sticking to it for 75 days. It doesn't, doesn't matter what it is. And then you do a 45 minute workout in the morning and the 45 minute workout in the afternoon, every single day. And then, um, you have to read 10 pages a day of some sort of self-development book. Um, no alcohol, which for me wasn't a big deal. Cause I don't drink. Um, probably the hardest thing for me is to drink. I, you had to drink a gallon of water a day. <laughs> Um, that was really rough for me. I can do half a gallon, no problem. But that gallon, man, that that's that's a lot. That was absolutely the hardest thing. I think those were the main things. Um, and so I did it for 75 days. I think I was just about to turn 60. Um, and it just for the first, oh, I remember you have to, you had to take a picture. I had to take a picture of myself every single morning with just like bra and panties on. And for the very first time ever, I remember that I focused on my health and just 
putting one foot in front of the other rather than weight loss. I didn't weigh myself. Um, I tracked my progress with um, taking measurements of myself. At first I did it once a week and then I just did it every couple of weeks because it just became unimportant to me. So yeah, so completing the 75 hard challenge um, was my most recent um, achievement that I'm most proud of. Nice, I heard you started a TikTok channel. Yeah, I did. Um, and again, this is all part of the the whole beauty thing and wanting and and being comfortable with looking at myself in a screen. Um, and I'm all about pushing myself and exploring my boundaries. And I'm I'm all about growth um, and getting comfortable with feeling uncomfortable. So I started a TikTok channel probably about two and a half or three months ago. Um, and I just get on there two or three minutes of whatever I'm thinking about. And at first I thought um, that it would be difficult, but after like a couple of three days, I got super comfortable. And now I just have a running list of the topics I want to talk about. I, I keep them on my phone um, and I'm constantly thinking of things that I want to share. And it's a lot about mindset because I feel so passionate about that. And it's actually kind of fun. I hadn't even had the, I didn't even know what TikTok was really. And I didn't even download the app until I started uploading videos. So yeah, so I love doing that. It's kind of fun. Nice. Did you always want to be a doctor? Um, not really. I do remember from a young age that, um, like I was in Memphis and I think I want to say I was like 10 and we took a trip to St. Jude Children's Hospital. Um, and I remember being, I think it was in some sort of pediatric physical therapy department. And I just remember having this thought of, I want to help people who aren't perfect. And looking back, I didn't know exactly what that meant, but I just, and, and I think it just spurred me to not only become a doctor, but to become a plastic surgeon so I could help people do that. Um, so no, I didn't always want to be a doctor. And, and to be honest with you, I, I started to maybe think that people were right, that I couldn't go to medical school because I had dropped out of high school, but then I quickly tossed that aside and, and, and just did it anyway. Mm -hmm. You know, it's funny they call it plastic surgeon, isn't it? I know sometimes it's called cosmetic, but that's just, I, I find that that's just a, uh, not a great name, is it? Well, I kind of, um, I, I hear what you're saying. I, I like it so much better than cosmetic surgeon because- Really? Oh gosh, yes. Because cosmetic, if you look at it, you can come from to cosmetic surgery from many, you could be an orthopedic surgeon or like, it, you know, you're not specifically trained as a plastic surgeon. Um, but what I like about plastic surgeon is plastic comes from the Greek word plastikos, which means to mold and to shape. And when I was reconstructing breasts for most of my career, I loved that that's what I was doing and that it just, it, it still boggles my mind that I was able to take tissue from like, let's say your tummy or your back and rotate it to where I needed to be on the chest and make a breast. And so I, I really like that term plastic surgery, but I could see where, where people would maybe not like that. That's interesting. Did you learn anything about nutrition in medical school? Uh, no, 
Well, I, well, let me just, that's why I, I kind of giggle there. I, I don't know if these commercials, but back in the day, there were commercials that would say things like, before you start a, a diet, please check with your physician. And I'm like, no, don't check with us. We don't know anything. Um, I remember at the University of Vermont, it was pretty progressive school. Um, like we started our clinicals at the, at the middle of our second year, as opposed to at the end of the second year. So they were very progressive. And even then, um, I, the only option I had for nutrition was an elective on, I'll never forget this on a Wednesday afternoon from one to five. It was a one day, four hour course on nutrition. And that was it. There was no exam at the end. There was no follow-up. And to be honest with you, I don't remember a thing I learned in that four hours, like honestly. So yeah, we didn't learn. I personally didn't learn anything about nutrition in medical school. Did you ever hear about a vegan or a plant-based diet? Like, did you ever see forks over knives or just hear about it? Yep, I did. I, I, watched all of those really after I discovered you, Chef AJ. That's when I really dove into it. Um, And I consider myself absolutely a dietary vegan for the past almost four years now. Um, And I say dietary because I still, I don't buy any clothing or shoes or anything with leather or from, you know, from animals, but I do still wear the shoes that I have. Um, so, um, but I don't, and I do, um, cruelty-free cosmetics. So yeah, so I fully embraced, um, that part of the lifestyle. Even though you never felt thin enough for yourself or maybe your mother, were you ever really overweight? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I was over 200 pounds. I Um, did not know that you should have put some uh, before pictures. I had no idea. Yeah. Uh, the, like I said, that. I couldn't find a before picture of me because I just never, I literally would run when people talked about um, taking a picture seriously, because I had such loathing for the way I looked. So I, um, the last time I stepped on a scale when I was younger, I think I was like 19 or 20 and the scale said 208 pounds. Wow. How tall Um, are you? I'm five, seven and a half. So, you know, I, I'm not six, five, so 209 pounds or 208 pounds was, you know, too, too much. And, um, after that, I just never stepped on the scale again. Um, but I do know that it, my weight went up from there. So I would suspect that I maxed out at maybe 220 or something like that. And then incrementally, I would go down like maybe 10 pounds. I would lose like 50 pounds and then I would gain it all back, but I wouldn't gain it all back. So that I went from like in the 200s to 200 and then 190. And then I stuck around 180 for a really, really long time. Um, And now I remember, I'll never forget this shift, AJ. I was watching one of your shows and um, somebody said, you know, asked how tall you were and how much you weighed. And you said what you weighed and how tall you were. And I put it in my phone and I thought one day I'm going to hit that number. (laughs) And so probably about, I don't know, a couple of years ago, I think um, I hadn't weighed myself for months. I, I just, it didn't, it didn't matter to me because my clothes were so loose. I had to buy new clothing and it wasn't about my weight. It was just about eating healthfully and honoring myself. And I stepped on the scale and it was exactly what you weighed like to the, oh. like to the number. And I thought, oh my gosh, 
I never thought I would see that. Like, honest to goodness, I just thought this is insane. You're, so, you're, you're taller than me. So, wow. So, and, and it's, it, I can honestly tell you that it's effortless. I never thought it would be effortless. I was always white knuckling it before. It was always so, I, I felt deprived and I felt like I was like, you know, oh, I'll have a cheat day or whatever. And I don't do any of that because I have zero desire to do that. Zero desire to do that. And so you have no trouble maintaining your weight on this way of eating, huh? I don't. I, I honestly don't because number one, because I don't believe in cheat days and I don't want to kind of retickle my taste buds. Not that I would maybe go insane and start eating donuts out of, you know, out of the blue, but I honestly, I honestly don't think that I, I just have no desire to eat those things anymore. I think about the fact that, you know, how long does it take to eat a piece of candy or whatever? Um, like a few seconds and then it's done. And then, you know, and then it's like, it's not worth it. What What's worth it to me is my health, but also something as superficial as being able to stand in front of my closet and decide what I wanted to wear based on how I felt rather than, oh my God, am I going to be able to fit in here? So what yeah. methods had you tried losing weight before? Um, everything, like, like everything. I did the cabbage soup diet. I did the literally no eating diet. I did, um, I did the bulimia thing. I remember one of the tricks that I learned from the dancers was you just eat and eat and eat. And if you weren't one of those people that could actually purge, which was me, you just drank a ton of water. And then this is going to sound so ridiculous, but you ate, uh, you would drink a ton of water and then you would jump up and down on the bed or a couch or something. And then it would come up. So like I did all of those just awful, awful things. I tried, of course I tried Weight Watchers and Jenny Craig and I like literally everything. Um, if there was a book about it, I was trying it. And, and at the very most I would be successful for in the months, not years at all. And I think I even, Oh gosh, I think I even tried keto for a while, which was a disaster. Like, cause I've never really liked eating meat. So that, that didn't work out at all. So yeah, I, I've tried just about everything. Wow. What advice do you have for people that are struggling with their weight? I say, I'm going to steal this one from you, but this is what, this is um, what I learned from you is you've got to come up with your why, the why that makes you cry. That's how I talk to my patients and my weight loss coaching clients. Um, because I think that's so, so important because when we first change our lifestyle in terms of eating, it's going to be uncomfortable and it's going to be really, really hard. It's going to be difficult. But if, and so if you don't have your why, like right in front of you, it's, it's, it's going to be, it, it's going to be really difficult. So knowing what your why is, and then I always tell people start with one thing. I like to add things to people's diets rather than subtract. So start eating more vegetables. That's it. Start eating more vegetables because I don't want to overwhelm people. So if you're really struggling with your weight, come up with your why and then just start eating more vegetables. And then once you 
once you realize how much better you feel, you'll naturally start subtracting more things from your diet. Do you think your own journey and transformation may, was the reason that you enjoy coaching people on this? I do. I just love the whole like mindset aspect of things. And, and I pride myself on not only talking the talk, but walking the walk. Um, and so I never, ever ask my patients or clients to do something that I haven't done already. Um, because that would be, that wouldn't be authentic. Um, and if I'm expecting somebody else to do something that I haven't done, then I'm just a phony. Um, so, um, yeah, I love coaching because I weep for the woman that I was for so many decades. And I just don't want to see other people go down the same pathway that I did. And I know what it's like on the other side and it's, it's blissful. And I never, and I would love to have other people, um, on, on this side of things. Right. You mentioned integrative skincare. What does that mean exactly? It's about, um, like I'll give you an example. If somebody comes to me with, with acne, I'm of course going to do the, the standard traditional science-based lotion, potion, whatever it is, antibiotic for acne. But I'm also going to talk to them about the other pillars of health, nutrition being the most important, sleep, um, stress levels, all of those are, are affecting our skin and particularly acne. So it's looking at the whole person rather than just like the diagnosis of acne. Um, and that's the, and that's really what integrative medicine is all about. Sometimes integrative medicine gets a bad rap because people confuse it with alternative medicine. It's not alternative. It's based on science and Western medicine, but we also incorporate other aspects like looking at uh, the other aspects of our, of uh, the seven pillars of health and also integrating things like acupuncture, stress reduction, meditation, aromatherapy, like all the things. So it's not alternative. It's just complementary medicine, integrative. Nice. Talk about some of the procedures that, that, you know, we, we have Dr. Krant on the show once a month and that uh, she mostly just answers lots of medical questions about dermatological conditions, but I'd love to know some of the procedures that you feel are maybe safe for people that are vegan that don't involve like animal products or products that were tested on animals. And, you know, I'm, I'm like Botox, for example, was that derived from animals and is it safe, know, for that, that's a great question. And I honest to goodness, I'm embarrassed to tell you that I don't know the answer to that. I think Dr. Krant was asked that question once I watched all of her episodes, but I am into doing procedures that are low risk and high reward and that people can access. So the things that I do in my office, I do the standard um, things that I used to do as a plastic surgeon, meaning I do skin checks. I used to do a lot of reconstruction after um, skin cancer on the face um, and other parts of the body. So I do skin checks. I look for moles. Um, I'll do a biopsy if needed or an excision based on the results. 
Um, and then I also, if you have like any lumps or bumps that you want removed, I do that. Um, just the other day, I, um, I repaired someone's torn earlobes from, um, wearing too heavy of earrings. Um, and then I also do some aesthetics. I do, um, uh, in, in office chemical peels, which has a really low risk. Um, I don't have to worry about um, how light or dark the skin is. Everyone has wonderful results. Um, I also do something called um, microneedling where I use a device called a skin pen, which is FDA um, uh, approved for um, acne scarring and um, uh, wrinkle reduction. Um, so I do all the things that have low risk, high reward that people can access. Um, I don't currently do Botox, um, but I will most likely incorporate that moving forward. Um, and um, I'm not a huge fan of fillers, um, but I my mind can be changed depending on what you're filling the face with. Um, but yeah, those are the kinds of procedures I do. Um, so yeah. Does microneedling hurt? It, it does. And you have to put, I use um, a, a, a local um, topical anesthetic that I let sit for probably up to 20 minutes. Um, and then patients really don't complain about it. Wow. But they, I guess they like the results. So it's worth yes. it. Yes. Yes. Nice. Nice. And again, the things I do just celebrate who we are inherently and that we're beautiful and that we don't have to change or manipulate our faces. We can just enhance um, our, our beauty. And I'm not a big fan of the term anti-aging um, because I'm not into anti-aging. I'm just into, um, aging gracefully and elegantly. I love that. I'm not anti-aging. That's great. So where do you like to people to follow you? I guess on TikTok is the best place. Yeah. For now, I'm going to start an Instagram shortly. Um, and then you can always visit my website. Um, and if you're in the Seattle area, I'd love to see you in person as a patient. That's great. Well, so nice to meet you, Dr. Chatel. Yes, so much. It's been lovely. And thank you, Chef AJ, from the bottom of my heart. You really, you changed my life. Well, thank you. And thanks for sharing your story. And I'm glad to know that you like balsamic vinegar because every guest on Chef AJ Live for the first appearance gets two free bottles, courtesy of Thomas Allen at California Balsamic. So you'll get to choose two flavors. Hey. All right. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. Take care, Dr. Chatal. And thanks all of Bye. you for watching another episode of Chef AJ Live. Please come back tomorrow at 9 a.m. Pacific time for Nutrition Insights with Dr. Peter Rogers. He'll be answering some of your questions and talking about whether or not your cell phone could be harming you. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye.